And welcome to episode 23 of the Cake Watch podcast, the Brexit podcast that has serious policy flaws and is expected to be widely mocked. Uh, my name's Steve Bullock. Uh, I'm an ex-negotiator for the UK and the EU. And I'm here with my colleague... Filthy Chris Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be one of them. And who are you, Chris? I'm a, I'm a filthy Eurocrat. Um, <laughs> Filth. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 fil- I'm a filthy Remainer, um, uh, but I'm here in a strictly and filthy personal capacity. Excellent. Is it, do um, I need to say anything more? No, no, you've done a disclaimer. The disclaimer's, the disclaimer's very clear there. That's good. Not that nobody, nobody, <laughs> nobody could argue with that disclaimer. No. That's the important thing here. Yeah, so... Uh, it's nice to be back after the summer. We're back uh, properly now, I think. I think, yeah. yeah, we can now say that we are a regular podcast again, <laughs> I hope. Um, depends when we get this published and out, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do we have any follow-up from previous weeks, Chris? Um, well, we. this is probably the smallest or the shortest interval between recordings that we've done for, uh, for certainly for a long time. So why don't we... I, I can't think of any immediate follow-up, but... Um, Let's just say thanks to all the people that um, helped us out over the summer and sort of came and did guest stints. And we had a lot oh, of yeah. people. It was great. Lots of friends of the podcast came and helped us out and joined us, and it was great. Yeah, yeah, it really was. It was excellent. Uh, and uh, we hope it gave you a, a, a bit of variety from, you know, the two of us just fucking harping on at length. But it's quite fun just to be <laughs> the old team back in the saddle bitching well, about you know, Brexit. It's what you know, isn't it? You know, it's you know, you know, that's a lot of you know, isn't it? Yeah, it's too many. But I think we should. I think we should send. I should think we should send out the love to to all our all our pals and also just just all our, all our pals on Twitter. Yeah, you know when people when people tweet and say love the pod, love this episode, oh, or, you know whatever. It is really it is really nice, it and is. we do really appreciate it. Yes, even if. You know, I forget to reply or like because I'm so disorganised. But Chris does, so I try. I try to. Maybe not from the official um, podcast Twitter feed so much because I never bother checking that. But um, <laughs> I forgot we had one actually. <laughs> I don't think you've ever actually looked at it because I don't think you ever asked for the password, and I don't think I ever gave it to you. No, it's better. I don't have it. Much better. <laughs> so, um, well, what's happened in the world of Brexit? <laughs> I think I think I think I think there's one thing in particular. Well, there's one thing that didn't happen, which I have to say I have not stopped laughing at since, <laughs> and that is that the ERG the European Research Group, the uh, breakfast nutters on the right of the Conservative Party, having had. Two years, well, 40 years, really, to come up with a plan of Brexit. <laughs> Several of them having resigned because Brexit was being done wrong. 
and having trailed that they would be releasing an alternative plan to uh, uh, for Brexit, then withdrew to the last minute. And uh, the reason that one uh, senior lever in the Conservative Party gave was that it contained, and I quote, serious policy flaws. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they were worried that it would be widely mocked. <laughs> well, now, <laughs> let's take these two things in turn. <laughs> it has serious policy flaws. These are the people... who have promoted the most flawed policy possibly ever, certainly since Suez. Oh, but, don't, you can't compare Suez to Brexit. Really? No. no I mean, no, in, in terms of long-term... In terms of stupidity, you can, but not in terms of long-term impact. So, so we're talking about... We're talking about Chamberlain, are we? What, for, for, for Suez? No, a piece, we, if, if we're, if we're going to go beyond Suez... What's the next most flawed policy? I'm surely, the, the surely, appeasement was um, uh, an even more serious policy, flawed policy than than Suez. But you know, even appeasement, you can make an argument that it allowed time for rearmament for, for British rearmament that was much needed at the time. So you know, even appeasement has something going for it. <laughs> Whereas Brexit. <laughs> Whereas Brexit is flawed in absolutely every every respect. And what's more, their version of Brexit... Well, we don't know what their version of Brexit is. We deeply suspect um, it was a sort of Canada Plus kind of deal. Yeah, they, um, they, don't, uh, they don't know what their version of Brexit is, but they thought lots they of them, But we know lots of them would love No Deal Brexit, yeah. which is the absolute most flawed version of the most flawed policy but Steve, but Steve, they've published a detailed, uh, carefully researched expert paper setting out the reasons why nobody should be scared of a no-deal Brexit. <laughs> um, and that's been seen to contain serious policy flaws, <laughs> and it has been widely mocked. It gets better than that, though, because some details of it did leak. Some details of the ERG plan did leak. <laughs> <laughs> The first one. Oh my god! <laughs> the first policy was that uh, they were going to deploy a space-based nuclear defense mechanism based on Reagan's Star Wars plans, <laughs> and the second was that they were going to send an exp expeditionary force to the Falkland Islands. It is not 1982. Argentina is not the issue here. Yeah, guys. But hang on, hang on, hang on, Steve. Hang on, Steve. It's the obvious opportunity of Brexit that the UK could send a task force to the Falklands <laughs> and build Space Defence Force because that's... The only thing stopping us doing that <laughs> is the it's European the, Commission. The bloody European Commission. <laughs> the bloody European Commission. Oh, they should have never let Argentina join the EU. Do you know... <laughs> I, I saw. Do you know what? I mean, I've not been follow. I've not been. I've not been following the. Um, I've not been following things as closely as I, I I should because it's all just depressing and stupid. But actually, yeah, been, it's been I've quite been, funny. I've been laughing too much. To no. Follow things well, I tell you. I tell you. I tell you what. I saw your fantastic downfall parody video. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I had fun making before, that. Before I saw that. Before 
I had read up or realised what was leaked from the ERG plan. Oh, so, so you, I thought, thought, you, so you being, thought I'd made up the yeah, space stuff? Yeah, I just stuff. thought you thought, oh, well, it's funny, but it's a little bit, un- <laughs> it's a little bit ridiculous, Steve. Come I mean, on. nobody would really say that, would yeah, they? Nobody would thought, actually write it he, down. I thought, yeah, I thought you were on drugs or something. I thought, <laughs> is he drunk? There's space marine, space force. And, and, then, <laughs> and, then, and then I read that they were actually, this was genuinely... <laughs> So I have a theory. I have, I have a, I have a theory. I have a theory about the ERG. The the UK has always always loved eccentrics. You know, we've got a sort of proud history of eccentrics, and this has let us. This is how, as a country, we've let these fucking jokers get anywhere near to to the levers of power. You know. <laughs> Because they bumble along and we go, oh, but it's an eccentric and look at his monocle and his nanny and his floppy blonde hair and his gosh awfully, you know? Mm. And therefore we let them get away with it because we love eccentrics. And I like, I, you know, I like, I like eccentrics as well. Mm. You know, I like Reed Woodhouse and, you know, so we've let them get away with it because of, because of this. <laughs> but the great thing this week is that it's over. Do you, did you see the photograph of the, um, the Economist for Breakfast? They were called economists for Brexit. Well, Did I see that photograph? You mean the, the photograph pre- that everybody and his uncle has been tweeting for the last, solid for the last 48 hours with the most hilarious captions? Yeah, this is the longest running caption competition. I mean, it's, it's, the, the, it's the, the best political photo that I can remember. I can't think of a better political photo. But it's over. The, that that yeah, photo yeah. is a picture of people who know it's over, that they've backed yeah. the wrong horse, that they've fucked up. Yeah. It's like that Billy Connolly sketch on religion. It's over. We've had 2,000 <laughs> years to do it and you fucked it up. <laughs> you know? It's fucking over, lads. You've been found out. The they've ERG been has been, they've been absolutely fucking rumbled. There's a, there was actually, there was a good, I didn't link it. Um, I should have linked it today. Um, there was a really good article in Die Zeit, the German um, newspaper. Um, I think it's today. It might have been yesterday, which was. And it was an interesting article. It was written by their London correspondent, and it was saying, um, it's basically saying, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's going to be a deal. Um, May's going to get a deal because the nutters led by Jacob Rees-Mogg have been busted. I mean, they're they're, they're done. But they've busted themselves. That's, this is the point. I mean, what was the, what was the econ- what was the economists of Brexit? I'm not going to call them the economists of free trade because they're not economists of free trade. Well, they're not they economists and they're not for free trade. So. Yeah, there's one economist, and he's <laughs> with, not really an economist. A, well, he will with a with a with a widely you know uh, uh, refuted refuted yeah. model, you know, who hasn't taken into account essential aspects of international trade. Well, like, and they, and, <laughs> no, I mean, no, no trade barriers. I mean, no, no, yeah, no tariff well, barriers. <laughs> well, the report simultaneously talks about the the the, the huge increase in revenue from, from tariffs. imposing tariffs. And while, also says while, all tariffs will be abolished <laughs> while, at yeah. the same time. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And they said that food will be much cheaper, except in, uh, be, because imported food will be uh, much cheaper. Oh, it, because there won't be any, tar- because there won't be any tariffs on it. It's astonishing. It's, um, um, but, but um, yeah, because there won't be any tariffs on it. But because the pound has fucking crashed, food, <laughs> food will be much more expensive. And then they pluck this absurd figure out of the air. What, what was, was it? 1.1 trillion? Yes. <laughs> that 1.1, 1.1 tells me that there was a co- fucking committee involved in mm, it, mm. right? Yeah, we've got, we someone can't say said, it. Yeah. Someone said, let's say a trillion. Yeah. 
and then the one with the two functioning brain cells instead yeah. of one said, uh, uh, don't you think that might sound like we plugged out the air? Yeah, yeah, and so. someone said, yeah, okay, let's say 1.1, fuck it. Yeah. But this is the big lie as well, isn't it? I mean, this well, is the playbook. We have You're going to lie, tell a fucking massive lie. You're anticipating the lie of the week, because that, without a shadow of a doubt, is going to be our lie of the week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, we might as well just pack up and go home with the lie of the week, because, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's yeah, it. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it again then. Yeah. Hey, listen, listen, yeah. before, before we go too far away from the point where we were, t- where we were theorizing, see, I have a theory too. Mm. Which may be compatible with your theory about um, the lovable British eccentrics, or not very lovable ones. But my theory, my theory is this, and it's um, it's it's a it's a it's a tragic one, really, because it's all about how old I am. Um, and the tragic thing is, <laughs> which that, is very well, I it's quite old. I am quite old because I'm basically the same generation as most of these halfwits. So people like Reese Mogg and Baker and I mean they're basically the same age as them. It's awful. It's I mean it's very depressing. But so I have a theory which is that these guys Which makes you nearly forty years older than the average age of a DXEU official. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my theory is that these guys we grew up in our in our formative years, in our early teens, watching the Falklands War and yeah. watching Reagan and Star Wars. And this is, we're all, we all get, we all get hard on for all this shit. You know, we got like, we're all like, we're all still in love with Selena Scott reading the new, you don't even know who I'm talking about, do you? But. Oh, I know who S- Selena Scott so is. So Selena yeah. Scott was the one, she used to read all the, the news bulletins about, about the Fortin's War. And we would be like, oh, Selena Scott's gonna, oh, how many, how many we shot down today, Selena? And, you know, it's, it's sad. <laughs> it, it's, literally <laughs> but no I, i'm sure they've all still got they've all stopped still they, they think back on those days and think oh those those were the days when we could be proud those were the days when we had something still to you but the, but the, you know i think you're right i don't think it's necessarily about selena scott um although <laughs> although i mean i think it would be reasonable if it was actually that would be she, that would make it, that she, would, she was quite nice that would make it that would make it actually a, a little bit worse if it a little bit better if it, rather if it was about selena scott but you're right that there are a lot of people in in the government and a huge number of people in the ERG who, yeah, for want of a better way of putting it, get a hard-on at the idea of deploying troops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is it. So, you know, there are reports that contingency plans would have contingency plans for, for troops to be deployed yeah. in yeah, the yeah, yeah, breakfast. Yeah, they're, they're, they're massive they consider this, for it. But they consider this a feature, not a bug. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're the yeah. kind of oh troops on the street. Oh, yeah, they were the oh, kind I'd of kids. love to deploy troops. I hope there's some trouble and they have to yeah, and they yeah, have yeah, to use violence. These, no? the, you hear it they from all these old shite type peoples the whole time. They're always sort of like, oh, you know, who do you think the hardest military is in the world? Who's the, who are the hardest soldiers? And that's why they, they respect the Russians because they got their spetsnaz and they're like, oh, they're really hard. But oh, nothing's as hard as the IDF. The IDF is super hard. And you know, who's got the best military? And oh, the French—they're ridiculous. Oh, they, you know, they run away. And yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it's it's pathetic. And yet, I think it's an absolutely fundamental part of their characters. Yeah, no, I do as well. But it's also an expre- it's also a massive expression of of uh, inadequacy and yeah. insecurity. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you as somebody who's uh, who's cousin. Suffered, has suffered from a, uh, a crippling PTSD uh, since the ship he was on in the Falklands was uh, really? was blown up. Uh, wow! It's not like that. No, you no. know. Well, you this won't find. Whole, no. This is the whole point. Eh? This is the, the 
the, this is the lie. But this goes back to the First World War, and this goes it's, back. It's, it's more serious than that. Look at look at um, look at um, look at the homeless people. Um, look at people who have got mental illness, and look at people who are homeless on the streets of London. Look at people who are in the homeless shelters. There are so many of them are military. So many of them are ex-military. These guys have just been used and chewed up and thrown out. No, I because, mean, it's because by the, the very people that some, somehow you know they 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 have this they fetishize the military and yet you know the actual individual yeah. squaddies I couldn't give a shit for them. No, it's because they they only get the tingly feeling at the moment they deploy the troops and at the moment they declare victory. Yeah. Apart from that, apart from that, it's irrelevant. You know. Yeah, and they when they get but the yeah yeah. But it's but it's also. And you see this very clearly, you know, that... Oh, you can't use clear, can you? <laughs> Whatever <laughs> you say, I'll make this very clear. I uh, know you can't use that anymore. But um, you see it all... You, you really see it that these are humorless, unhappy people. Yeah. They're not looking... They don't just want to have a happy life. The satisfaction they can draw is yeah. only from others losing, you know? Well, it, it's, it's, it's why they... Never look. You, and it's, you get the same in the papers and, and, and you, in commentators. You, they never look at the kind of indicators which actually point to quality of life. And, and, yeah. and they never look at um, how people in um, Belgium or Germany or the Netherlands or France or Denmark or Sweden are actually living in terms of their disposable income and their access to services and then sort of various other key indicators. No, they're the always looking cost at... cost of living. Yeah, they're always looking at how, well, how much they spend on, on defence or, you know, when, how, how much do they contribute to NATO or, or what's their standing, military standing in the world. Look, look at the way they, um, again, fetishise. Look at David Davis, one of the most incompetent politicians <laughs> ever to... I mean, what an astonishingly incompetent man. And yet, what did Nadine Doris say about him? Well, he could have had Barnier in a fight because he used to be in the SAS. You know? Christ, and what, yeah. what, did, what did for him is when people realised that actually it was the territorial SAS and it wasn't really, it wasn't the proper, it wasn't the proper SAS. And the, and the, only, the only assault he ever organised was during X5 in which he accidentally uh, made everyone shoot each other. Yeah. <laughs> which, you see the front page of the, um, yeah. front page of the Spectator, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful cartoon. <laughs> so basically, his his entire experience is composed of organising friendly fire incidents. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, this, yes. Which is exactly what which is exactly what they're doing now. Yes, but you can exactly. see you can see that they're finished because they, they've started going on about the numbers. They've started saying we've got eighty, eighty. There was um, I think fourteen or sixteen uh, MPs at the launch of this uh, yes. uh, economy uh, economists for fucks it report, um, and. They're saying, we've got 80, we've got 80. Well, they know that 80 is not enough mm -hmm. to, to, get, to, get a lead, to get the Conservative leadership. So they can force a... They can go to the 1922 committee, they can force a leadership election, but they do not have the numbers for their, um, for their candidates. And their own candidate uh, <laughs> has royally screwed up his chances, mm -hmm. chances anyway. I mean, he's, he's, he's doing his own... Uh, uh, leaving without a deal, isn't he? Yes. So, so they have nothing. They don't have a plausible candidate. They don't have... And they, they thought they had a well-loved candidate. You know, this was the Boris mm. stick, is that he yeah. was well-loved. He was well-loved. He was on a Vagant Newsy. You remember when there were those instances where he was cycling around London mm. and people were shouting, Oh, Boris, you're a cunt, mm. Adam. Mm. Well, I heard that this really, really, really got to him. And, he's, you know, he stopped cycling and... And so on. Mm -hmm. These people really, really, really hate being mocked. Mm. Ultimately, what they actually want is they want the proles to love them. Well, it's like Osborne at the Olympics. Remember? 
Yes. Mm. Yes. Absolutely. But I mean, that's you know, that's for what, all, for all we have to do. Yeah. For, well, everybody wants people to love them, but but especially the, these, these people. Yeah, the, but these people are, they're hypersensitive and yeah. ultimately humorless. It's and, really and, all about. He's a narcissist. It's about his ego, and it's um, and the same for Ruth Mogg as well, and and yeah. and the others. And uh, Ruth Mogg is a bit more Davis, damaged in different ways. I think. Oh, you thought with man. Davis as well, insisting mm. on military planes to fly him to Brussels. Yes. Shite like this. Yes. And. Yeah, and all you have to do, all you have to do to 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 break this wafer thin edifice mm. around them is to mock them. Mm. That's what that's what we should all do. Just mock them, mock yeah. them out of fucking existence. Well, should we do that? There's nothing do. they'd like less. Let's, let's do. Let's do that. Well, I hope you're doing it. So what else has ha- what else has happened? Uh... Well, should we talk a bit about? Look, let's talk a bit about. It, it's it's so fucking fast moving. So you've got, you've got the whole Boris stuff that that he he sort of shot his bolt, as it were. <laughs> oh, please don't use horrible, that imagery. Horrible image. We're going, we're going back to the wanking segment last oh, week. God, no. of which actually apologize apologies for that as well. We got a bit carried away, I think, with, with a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. Well, you know how it is. He of the angry wrist. That's always going to. That's in. That's in my. That's in my little phrase book now. That. That was. No. no all right. You might have to cut that out. Um, have you seen the, actually, that's a bit of follow up. Have you Have you heard the Tom Waits song about him uh, taking himself out for dinner no. and uh, getting unnecessary with himself in the cab on the way home? And no. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll put it in put, we'll put it in the notes because it really reminded me of this. There's a great line in it. You know, he says that. Uh, I don't get weird or anything. I don't tie myself up. <laughs> Which I really like. Well, but, so, but, there's, but there's lots happening, but there's nothing happening. Yeah, but I mean, no, let's talk a little bit about, um, I mean, I, I think let's, let's continue with this thread where we were going with the, the, the big push that the EIG have obviously strategized and, and made for some kind of, for, for shifting the Overton window back towards No Deal and for trying to legitimise No Deal and, and, and what looks like um, their failure to do so and what looks like their entire edifice just crumbling now. I mean, they look to have lost all credibility. And let's talk about what that actually means in terms of um, does that change anything? Does that make a people's vote any more likely? Does it make it any more likely that we will stop Brexit or does it make a No Deal less likely? I mean, let, what's your sense of that? Well, I've long held the belief that ultimately these people will do anything to get Brexit over the line. Yeah. You know? And there is endless opportunity to to fuck it up later. Mm. So this idea that they're going to vote... Well, firstly, they said they're going to vote against checkers, but we know that it's not, that, that the withdrawal agreement and the, the political declaration, which we're going to talk about a bit later, I think... Um, isn't going to be checkers because mm. the most essential parts of the checkers deal have been rejected, mm-hmm. and that's not going to change. So there's no, the, the vote before Brexit is not going to be on checkers. That's actually that's actually the one thing we know, mm. and people are still talking about this. People are still talking about checkers. The ERG are still talking about checkers. Yeah. Labour Party still talking about checkers, and yeah. actually Remainers are still talking about I checkers. Know. So it's talking about and bloody checkers. The the yeah we'll well maybe we, maybe we should talk about the declaration now. Maybe now is yeah. the time to talk about the declaration. Actually, so. The the idea has always been that there'll be a withdrawal agreement which ties up the uh, ties up the 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 the, the divorce itself. So this is 
the financial settlement, uh, Northern Ireland border, uh, the backstop. Um, well, God, what else is in it? <laughs> so long so, so the withdrawal agreement is the money, the backstop for Ireland, and citizens' rights. Right. Plus, there's lots of other things. You know, uh, the uh, <clears throat> the transition period mm. yeah. is in is in there yeah. as well. Uh, there'll probably be a note about uh, the the EU uh, assisting the UK in, in rolling over existing yeah. trade agreements during transition. But and you know, yeah, lots of transition. You know, it's, there's, it's there's, tie, there's it's lots, tying of other, up. lots of other details yeah. about this, but it's, it's, tying, up, up it's tying up the loose, tying up the loose ends. And, <laughs> and then, <clears throat> at the end of the transition, if they, if this happens, we talk about that as well. But if 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 there is a withdrawal agreement with a transition period at the end of the transition, by the the idea is by the end of the transition period, there's a new treaty on the uh, uh, future relationship treaty or treaties. There may be more than one. In between these and accompanying the withdrawal agreement, you'll have a what's been called a political declaration on mm. the future future relationship. Yeah, and this is very important because when people talk about voting against checkers, voting against a hard Brexit, or, or voting for a soft Brexit, at this point, what they're really talking about is that political political declaration. Um, now, a few things to remember about a political declaration: the first is that it is non-binding. Uh, mm. But it will set the framework for the talks over the next two, or I, I still think it needs more than two years, or actually 21 months. I still think it needs a lot more than that to do it. But this will set the, the framework. This will set the, the objectives. What is being aimed for overall will be, will be set there. Now, originally, this was envisaged to be quite detailed. You know, mm. So we're talking 25 to 35 pages um, and... Really going through the the details of governance, the detail, you know, and yeah. right, uh, really with some some detail. I mean, you can't fill thirty five pages with total fudge and <laughs> no. flannel. We can no? try, but you can try, but I mean, even as current and ex professional civil servants, filling that amount of paper <laughs> with things that don't mean anything is quite difficult. Yes. Um, recently, though, there's talk of uh, a much shorter aspirational mm. uh, declaration. Uh, some, some people have talked about six, six pages, you know, and actually it's rather hard to say anything in any detail mm. in, uh, in only six pages, some, uh, particularly something as complicated as this. And this is what's been now being termed a kind of blind Brexit. Yes. Uh, so I think, it was Ger- Ger- I think there was news from Germany that they would accept that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then Macron said that uh, he didn't want a blind Brexit, that they couldn't agree to... They, they wouldn't want to agree to the uh, uh, withdrawal agreement unless it had a clear view of the objectives. Of yeah, the we, we, we briefly touched on it last week with, 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 with yeah. Nicky. And, yeah, exactly, because... Um, and this is, this, is, this is really interesting because, of course, earlier on, this was one of the... Um, Earlier on, it, it was it was the UK side that was saying it, there's no deal unless nothing's agreed until everything's agreed, and that includes the future future partnership and future arrangement. Yeah, which was and, obviously bollocks. I mean, yeah, and now yeah. the people pushing for that are in Paris. It seems because the, it's, it's, it's Paris that says, "Well, no, we need to know the rough shape of. We need to have a pretty good idea of where we're going." Well, it's it, the the reason that the, the French are saying. We're not so sure we like the idea of a blind Brexit is because 
once the UK is left and you move into the um, the, the, the more traditional FTA stroke, sort of deep and comprehensive free trade area kind of negotiation, yeah. um, then it, the smaller member states or individual member states start to have um, quite a lot more say in committee. Oh, yes, indeed, because and, and it'll be a mixed agreement as well, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So then... So then, you know, that, then they lose the kind of leverage that they have over the process where, um, where it's all about unanimity. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that makes things very interesting because they're then scared that, you know, then the UK might be able to play the divide and rule game and build alliances and forge um, coalitions and end up with something that actually, you know, the French might find themselves outmaneuvered in, the, in, in that scenario. But the weird thing is that instead of leaping on the uh, German uh, agreement or acquiescence that they would have a, that they would accept a, a, a short, vague, uh, mm. <clears throat> excuse me, political declaration, instead of jumping on that, like, life raft that it is, mm. actually, the, the UK government's doubled down on saying that, n that they won't accept that, that it has to be, uh, that it has to be a firm commit firm commitment. Yes, yeah, interesting, and, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, which was a, which was a, a very, big surprise to me. Yeah. But then, but then PMQs today there was a hint again, as it has been from cabinet ministers, but this was really from the prime minister that there was a there was a link between agreeing the withdrawal agreement or agreeing a backstop, agreeing the outstanding issues of withdrawal agreement, but also the financial settlement was mentioned. Um, and having a satisfactory political declaration. Now, my view has always been that you can have the exit agreement without having the political declaration. Mm. I always thought that the political declaration, the the, uh, the idea of having the political declaration was somewhat aspirational, to mm. be honest. But now you can see that the government's trying to trying to uh, trying to link this, and that's going to fail. That is absolutely going going to fail. They are because they'll be attempting to negotiate. Uh, an outline free trade agreement from the position that they're in, which is one of having major pillars of their proposal rejected in the next, I mean, weeks, next eight weeks, essentially. Um, and that, I, I, I just can't see how that Well, happens. hang on. See, I'm, and maybe I'd slightly disagree with you on this. I, I think that, um, see, my sense is that the UK probably would, this government probably would be satisfied with the sort of slightly shorter eight-page aspirational political declaration as well, a way of getting be. it out of the woods. And, well, and, tacti and, well tactically, tactically, they absolutely should be, actually. Yeah. Uh, but, and, and, but, the, but that's not what they're saying. I, no, I, but I, I, I think they, they, I think they, they would be. be because it would be that, – that would get them out of a fix. And I think that – on that, I think that they would probably get a sympathetic ear from the council – well, I think they would from the council, but I don't think they would from Parliament. And, I'd, and we come back to what mm. you know what the death of the ERG means here. Mm. From the, which Parliament? European Parliament or the UK Parliament? The UK Parliament, mm. because they've in the Conservative Party, and not just in the Nutter section of the Conservative Party, there appears to be to be this belief that agreeing to the financial settlement uh, is in return. Yeah. for a commitment on, on FTA yeah, but that, and that, so on. That's just, I don't know that it, and I don't know, know that it even matters. I mean, I think that what, what the UK, what UK politicians think, 
Who cares? I mean, what's important is what the EU is going to agree. We know that EU politicians have constantly and consistently over the last two years completely misunderstood the the nature of of the process and that there's two agreements here and that the withdrawal agreement is not the future trade agreement. And, and people, no, keep talking about, people keep talking about EFTA and, 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 you know, they talk about Canada Plus and as if it's part of the withdrawal agreement. It's not. No, no. But the fact that so many within the Conservative Party think that it is and think that they were buying, uh, they were buying an FTA mm. or buying the future relationship with a financial settlement has an impact on what the, what the voting will be like on, the, on a withdrawal agreement if we, if we get one. And that's the that's where the the UK side is important. In this I, I I absolutely agree that in the final in the final reckoning in the actual negotiations, I think both sides actually would accept uh, something not too vague and asp- and rather aspirational. That's not what I thought before, to be honest, because I thought that by this stage, yeah, I abs- I've previously been wrong about this because I thought by this stage, the EU would, EU twenty seven would be in no mood for a fudge. For fudges in general, they'd be no, in, in no mood to continue trying to help out May. They'd be in no mood to repackage stuff for the domestic but audience. But I don't think it's not about helping but actually, out May. But actually, that, hasn't, that, yeah, that really no. hasn't happened at yeah, all. I, if anything, I, it's gone the other way. Yes, actually. exactly. No, I, I, I don't agree with you on that, or I didn't. I mean, I think that I'm not at all surprised to find that we, we are where we are, because I think no, for, I've the, changed for the my EU, I think for the EU 27, they just, you know, they, they've got other priorities. They want to get this done and out of the way. And, uh, I mean, I think otherwise you wouldn't have heard these, you know, Macron saying what he was saying about the blind Brexit. I mean, I think no, no, that quite, clearly, clearly is a risk of it. And I think that I'm not surprised by that. I think, I think they'd be quite happily, happy to grease the wheels in some aspirational way and non-committal way uh, if it meant they got an agreement and got the thing done and dusted and Article 50 is over and we can move on. So I that's agree, the risk I agree. of the UK, of course. No, I agree, because also the, the, the costs of all this are already kind of... Uh, yes. Already kind of sunken as well. Outrageously, co- I mean, the costs are outrageous. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One official said that the EU had one EU official said that the EU had yes. already spent the GDP of Greece. Yes. I mean, imagine this. Yes. Imagine this. And then, and then the British government has the temerity to act as if this is something being done to them. Yes. Not that they've yeah. done to the EU. Not that they've done to Ireland. Not that they've done to the well, Good you know, Friday there, there, there will be you know? fallout. Long term fallout. I mean, seriously yes, long-term fallout for this. They really will. I mean, they, they, I think that the people haven't really comprehended quite how badly this has um, absolutely annihilated goodwill and, and, and soft power for the UK. I mean, it's and cred- just credi- I mean credibility and credibility. reputation is just utter, in utter it's tatters. It's and it's getting worse. I mean, the... Well, the, yeah, let's so talk about the grailing have, letter. We, yeah, we now have grailing. I mean, it's getting... <laughs> just when you think, just when you think that it's getting... That, that it can't get any worse... That we're at the, that we've we've hit the bottom, you know, Jesus. So tell tell so tell, tell us quickly, what's the grading letter? Oh, so um, <laughs> so uh, so there there needs to be aviation agreements to keep planes flying between the UK and the EU, uh, particularly in the in there needs to be them by the end of transition. But if there's a no deal Brexit, they would need yes. to be they would need to be them. Uh, there's, I mean, there's endless issues. I'm not an aviation expert, but there's endless issues. The experts yeah. tell me, and I read that the, there are endless issues here. About well, we fall out of open not skies, the, and we fall out of open skies, but also the accreditation yes. of uh, the people, safety people, crews, ground staff, safety crews, yeah, pilots, I mean, all just everything. So people couldn't, yeah. you know, you couldn't get insured. I mean, planes. It, it's not just UK carriers. I mean, any 
plane landing or taking off in the UK. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sure about this. I, this is what I picked up. Yeah. I, not, it's not my area either. But uh, you, you literally would not be able to take off or land in the UK yeah, because yeah. you wouldn't be insured to do so. After. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's simple. It's, it's, it comes down to as simple things as in insurance as well. But there's an absolute myriad of issues. And of course, there's the transport as well. I mean, the recognition of the European driver's license. So, I mean, all the stuff that would be covered by transition and sorted out relatively yes. easily in a future relationship. I mean, because these are, these are generally fairly non-controversial oh, yeah, things. Yeah. There's the question of licenses for mm. uh, trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Every you know, uh, each country outside the EU gets a certain number of licenses for trucks per year, and uh, the projections for what the UK got get is an absolute fraction mm. of the number of trucks UK trucks that are on the on the road in the U twenty seven at any given mm. any given moment. You know, so absolute endless uh, things of this, and this has long been a um, uh, this has long been an issue that the the Brexiters have liked to scoff. Well, you at. you went on um, you went on the telly with Suzanne Evans of UKIP, didn't you? I did from the UKIP. Um, when you over a year ago, when when um, <laughs> when Newsnight accidentally booked me, to be honest, you why haven't had your bike? <laughs> you, you and James O'Brien. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, I, I, compl- I entirely understand why they 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 haven't had me back. I mean, they had me on as a uh, as an expert. In, well, they had me on as a as an expert in EU negotiations, and they've since realised that as well as that, I'm also a Remain campaigner. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, so um, I've never been. I've never been asked back. I, I, I was asked on. I have been on lots of BBC stuff. Uh, particularly, uh, I've been on BBC London a few times. BBC Northern Ireland. So you know, this isn't an anti BBC, uh, anti BBC thing at all. But um, but no, no. So I said it, and uh, and and I said, well, but I mean, this will never happen. I mean, really? Can you be serious? That can you seriously think that planes won't be able to fly? Well, yes, because everything needs. All of these things need an agreement, and like I said, they're, they're not. These are not massively controversial things, but there has to be one. So anyway, um, Grayling, the transport secretary. I mean, if you want something done badly, jeez, <laughs> you know, uh, oh, God. I, I, I mean, really, if Grayling is the answer to the question, you're asking the wrong question. Uh, you know, God Almighty, inverse so, Midas touch. So, uh, so the. Barnier had said, look, there won't be micro-agreements. This idea that there's a deal, no deal, is is, is out of the question. And I, I have to say, I'm, you know, you, we talked about, I talked about this with Steve Analyst a bit, you know, that we, the people, and including us, have sort of some basic faith that it'll be all right, that, mm. that, no, insti- that institutions will... You know, we'll bubble along in the background and we'll make sure that on. make yeah. sure that yeah, we'll muddle on and and find solutions and and make sure it's okay. Somebody find out that aviation agreement would be would be a mixed agreement. So you so you'd, you'd have to you'd have to get the Wallonian Parliament to agree to it as well. And people think that these things can be done at the last minute. And you know, with the best will in the world, they can't be. No. And unfortunately, because of the way that UK governments acted throughout this process, we don't have the best will in the world. This is the problem. So. Barnier made this. Barnier said this overtly. Look, forget the idea of a of a deal, no deal, with lots of mini deals. If you if you've told us to go and fuck ourselves and fuck the Good Friday Agreement, this isn't gonna this isn't gonna happen. No, but I mean, um, so Grayling's written to written to, and he said, "This is an EU level matter. Don't be don't be going and trying to do side deals with the with the twenty seven on this because this will backfire on you because it's because it's an EU matter." So what did they do? 
they sent letters to the twenty seven asking for side deal individual bilateral side yeah. deals on it. Which, of course, were forwarded directly from foreign ministries to the Commission Actually, with a big question mark. Saying, why, have they come to, why have they come mm. to this on mm. something that's an EU competence? <laughs> um, so it's been an absolute failure, and it's, it's just. Uh, and, it, and, and there's a report, at least, that, uh, that Barnier went a bit mental at. Uh, although I find it hard to, hard to imagine that nice old. I feel gentleman, Mr. Barnier, going mental at someone, but apparently he did go. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, it's pretty trying having to deal with this bunch of fucking cretins. I mean, sorry, that's not a nice word to use, but I mean, it's pretty difficult. It's trying. I mean, you know, it's not easy, is it? The man has the patience of a saint. I mean, really? I mean, do you, I mean, what do you think happened in the Department of Transport when? I mean, we know what happened. The Europe Department of the Department of Transport told them not to do it because of the Europe, European comp- uh, because yeah, it's and, and he said, "Well, fuck them. I'm going to do it anyway." Cause, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because fuck them. Because yeah. member states, hey, member states, and the teenagers in the XEU couldn't stop them. So, <laughs> sorry, I keep referring to this. There was a there was a, uh, a report that, that that in two years the XEU has uh, has lost has churned 50% of its yeah, staff. it's shocking. Um, I mean, I and, remember- that the aver- and that the average age of 32, and actually I didn't pick on the average age because, I mean, I was 32 when I was doing these things. Well, um, I mean... But, but, I, was the, but I, wasn't, I was one of the youngest in, in the office when we were doing well, that. Well, you know? as parenthe- parenth- parenthesis, parenthetically, when I, when I went back on secondment to, uh, from the EU to the UK, because I was seconded from Brussels to London, which is the reverse of the usual thing. But I was seconded back to the UK um, eight years ago for, for a couple of years, which is because when the we first runs got... a pro- But the Commission runs a programme yeah. of doing this yeah. so that people can get member state experience yeah. and yeah. build contacts. Yeah. Yeah. And this was when we first got to know each other, wasn't it, Steve? Because we worked together. Yeah. And the thing well, that I really struck Brussels me... Brussels for Difford yeah. while yeah. you yeah. were yeah. moving exactly. the other way. Yeah. So I came out and you would be, you know, holding my hand going into all these meetings with the Commission, which was such a bizarre... <laughs> Yeah, that was quite weird. Actually. That was yeah. weird. But um, it was um, it really struck me going from Brussels back to, to Whitehall, um, just how young everybody was in yeah. Whitehall. Everybody was so young. And, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm not making a value judgment about it. I mean, it, I'm not sure it's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's interesting because the, the culture yeah, yeah, in Whitehall, yeah. you get a lot more churn and people either move up or they leave, whereas um, the, the culture in, in, in Brussels is quite different. In the EU institutions, you know, we... <laughs> We well, yeah, I mean, my, <laughs> a bit longer. <laughs> the, 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 the next youngest person when I was in the in my unit when I was in the commission had already been an economics professor before yeah. he joined the commission. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's you know, the other and I, thing. Was, yeah. I, and I was twenty, and I was twenty-seven. Well, I joined the commission when I was yeah. I, I passed the Concord and joined the commission when I was twenty-six, and I'd already been in Whitehall for four or five years, and mm. I was already you know thoroughly qualified, and I was there, and I was and all my continental friends were still at university and they couldn't quite like, and it was not actually particularly yeah, helpful for me in my that. career yeah. being that young um no no absolutely no 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 I, I mean i have to say it's something that i actually i actually rather admire about the uh the uk civil servant service mm. in that it takes people and it gives them responsibility at an, at an early stage yeah. and, and and you learn by doing you know yes. you're not you're not kept away from everything. Yes, you're included I don't think from the beginning. Nice I mean, in my in my first year in Diffit, I briefed the Secretary of State yeah. twice, you know, in person, and sat next to him in the Commons, yeah. in a Commons committee. Yeah. And that was an amazing experience. So, you yeah. know, there's very few careers in which you could get that experience. 
Um, I would true. question the wisdom of letting someone like me that close to a Secretary of State in the House well, of then Commons. You get sort of, yeah. That's in hindsight, but going back, sorry, going back to the um, political declaration, the reason this is important is twofold. Firstly, it's important because it has an effect on what on what the Commons would be would be voting on when they get their mean when they get their meaningful vote, um, and it has an effect on whether those in the Tory party who thought that they were buying, uh, they were buying something actually, of course, with the financial settlement, they were buying transition. Mm. They'd said that they wanted, a, the government said it wanted a transition and what they got in return for the for the sufficient progress was a guarantee of the transition if the if the agreement was made. So, that there was, so they, they, they did buy something with it actually in negotiating terms. But what they didn't buy is an agreement that the political declaration would have a full-scale plan for the future relationship that the UK agreed to in it. Um, and, yeah, I think, I think that, that possibly... I think that makes it potentially harder to get through Parliament. And rightly so, actually, in my view, because this is the second important thing about it, is that we'll now see... I guarantee that we'll see... Uh, lots of people who hate the idea of a uh, hate the idea of a final say referendum, saying, "Well, there's nothing to vote on yeah. because we've only got this vague aspirational stuff. So there's nothing to vote on. If you want a referendum on it, it'll have to be when the actual uh, when the actual future relationship treaty is on the table." Um, and I think this is really wrong for for for, for two reasons. Um, it's wrong because this gives uh, carte blanche because at the end of the transition period with the new cliff edge approaching the commons will have to swallow whatever it's given because the only alternative will be the cliff edge mm. before we actually leave the EU the only alternative is not no deal the only alternative is not a cliff edge mm-hmm. you can try to extend article 50 which we know that if it's for certain things certain reasons uh, the EU 27 might be amenable to you can withdraw Article 50 by agreement, which the uh, which which European leaders have said is possible. Uh, and if it's legally possible, you could withdraw it unilaterally. Not that I would massively recommend that. I don't think. But um, but the idea that there's only a choice between what's on the table and no deal is not true. But at the end of transition, it would be true. Yeah, that, that's that's the, that's that's the, the, the point, risk, isn't it? Yeah. So that's the first thing. That the the and and I don't think any parliament should launch the UK into that position uh, without uh, more than a single, a, single vote, a single vote on Parliament because Parliament will have to follow what's given. The second, I, yeah. and the, sorry, the, the, the second point is that the UK will also be in a weaker negotiating position. Everybody thinks the strength of the negotiating position is that you can walk out. That's not the strength. That's a, that, we know it's not a plausible threat anyway, even if it was a plausible threat, uh, the the EU know that a bad deal for them is worse than is worse than no deal. So, mm. um, so that so it's so it's a it's a uh, it, it, it's a threat that doesn't doesn't work. When you cut, when you're when you don't have the option of not leaving, when you don't have the option of revocation, then you'll also have to follow what the EU give you. Or you're over the cliff edge, or you're over the no deal, and mm. by then there will not be an appetite for no deal within the UK. Do you know? I've, I've yeah, you, you, that's that's actually really help, really helpful, and really helpfully articulated. Actually, Stephen, I hadn't, hadn't sort of thought thought that one through. Which is that um, <clears throat> I am obviously 
won't come as a surprise that I'm strongly advocating a final say for all of people's vote on the withdrawal agreement. Not because I think referendums are a good idea, because they're no. fucking not. No, it's awful. It's <laughs> but because awful. I think it's the only way that we can politically get out of this. But yeah, you've, you've made me realise that what what would be an absolutely terrible scenario is where we put all this energy into pushing for a people's vote on the withdrawal agreement and somehow uh, somebody crowbars it onto the different track and you end up, it ends up being carried forward to... to uh, a, ratific post, a ratification referendum a, oh, for the future relationship. That would be the yeah. worst. Yeah, that would be the absolute worst. That I mean, would be the worst. That would be No, because awful. that would be having it against no deal, which would mean the possibility of no yes, deal, which, exactly. would be in a tr which is an appalling one at the end of transition yeah. as it is now. Um, and and it also, would having, it would mean having it pointlessly, basically, because we'd still be leaving whatever. Yeah, but and it would also be exactly it would be pointless, and it would also carry awful risks, and also it would be coming at a time when all of this catastrophe is beginning to bite, and therefore yeah. it would be uh, opening the path for another protest vote for the government to lose. It yeah, would just yeah, be absolutely. an awful scenario. Awful no, scenario. I mean, yeah, and the government oh, would have impressed. to be on, and the government would have to be on the side of the agreement. Yes, of course. The agreement, of course. Oh and therefore, God. anybody who is not a fucking lunatic who wants us to hurtle off the cliff would be on the would be on the on the government side. You'd yeah. be on you'd be on essentially the wrong side when there are two wrong sides. So it's like push as hard as you fucking can for a people's vote on the withdrawal agreement, and then and then stop. Yeah. And, watch, <laughs> and that's and, it. And I, I'm and maybe it's my suspicious mind, but watch out for. Watch out for people who are advocating it now. Yeah. At Christmas, saying no, no, okay, maybe there's not time now, and no, maybe we'll have yeah. to, maybe we'll have to come do exactly as you suggest, or, or maybe, maybe, maybe if we do have it, it should only be between EA and the deal on the table, yes. as if as if the EU's going to renegotiate the political declaration yeah, at that point. That's, that's which it's not, not going to do. Not, not an option. Which yeah. is not going to happen. Mm. Uh, so yeah, watch watch out for this because this all has to be careful. Exceptionally, we all have to be exceptionally on our guard about all of this. I mean, we are, we know that, but all of this stuff is just so—it's an absolute minefield. There are so many traps for, for the UK in all of this, and of course, they're yeah. all placed. We're all booby trapped ourselves. It's just so tragic. But, but I think going back to the very beginning to the ERG, I mean, do you really believe they'll vote against the? Uh, withdrawal agreement. Vote against the government. To, I mean, that's a, that'll have that'll have to be a three line whip. They'd have to vote against the three line whip here. Um, I mean, this is this is actual. Bring, we've been you know we've been saying surely this should bring government. Surely this should bring the government down. Well, I mean, the, the, to this, me, but this I mean, you couldn't possibly. The government could not possibly could not possibly survive this. The, the, it, it all depends on the Labour Party, doesn't it? It all depends on where the Labour Party come out. I mean, the EOG yeah. in a way, I don't give a shit what they do. What's, no, what's they really just want to go over the line ultimately. Yeah, I mean, what's really important is what's the Labour Party going to do? Because the uh, the EIG can vote one way or the other, but it wouldn't make a difference. What what makes exactly. a difference? Exactly, they what don't the Labour Party. actually have the numbers. No, precisely. This so you know, precisely so if if the Labour Party gets to the gets gets to the withdrawal agreement uh, vote and says, you know what, we're going to vote against this. Well, what, why, and what, what are you offering as an alternative, and what's the scenario? Here? Well, I mean, the big, my big worry with, I mean, there's been huge movement within the Labour Party on this over the la over the summer. I mean, yeah. we've now got the the TUC behind 
the idea of people behind the idea of people's vote. I mean, this is very very strong. Yeah. You've had several several people who are uh, well regarded on the far left saying that we have mm. saying that we have to do this. It's the same that Labour Labour have yeah. to do this. So I mean, there's there there's the sense of some sort of movement. You've got people saying, uh, "Oh, we can't take anything off the table." You know, so there is the sense that there is some sort of movement. This was never this was not part of a long game, by the way. No, this is movement in response to public opinion moving, sure, which sure, is what sure, we've sure. always said is yeah. the only way to but, is the only way to change things. But it's but it but it looks like Labour Labour is moving. But <laughs> but if it's a blind Brexit, if it's an aspirational. Uh, uh, political declaration, then the Labour Party can say, well, we can't vote against citizens' rights, we can't vote against the financial settlement, we can't vote uh, for a cliff edge, we can't vote for no deal, we can't vote with the ERG, so we're going to vote for the agreement. Um, and that's a, that's a very big, that's well, a very, very big, the, big, big worry of mine. That's because a very big worry. Was, because if it was checkers, if it was a detailed agreement and it was checkers, they'd have to vote against it. Well, look. I mean, but they can say that we don't know. Well, we don't know if it doesn't meet our tests because it isn't anything, and that that's a big worry for me. So, yes, but also there's a big worry over what's on the ba- what's on the what's on the referendum ballot. You know, if, yes, if, well, quite. That's, that's to me that that's yeah because the risk the, the risk here is what we were just talking about you, you get movement towards a people's vote fantastic but then you need to be very quick to tie down what does that mean what does a people's vote mean does a yeah, people's I mean, vote mean uh you get the three options including the option of remaining of withdrawing article 50 or does somehow somebody um spirit it across the line and turn it into a vote on the future arrangement with with no option to to with, withdraw article 50 um, well I well mean, i mean anna anna Subri said there should be a people's I don't want to create splits in the movement or anything here, but Anna Subri has not hidden this. I mean, she said, she sure. tweeted. I can find the tweet. She she tweeted. Sure, sure, sure. She has, be, and there, there are a number of people. But that doesn't. Yeah, I mean, that Anna Subri doesn't people, speak for the Labour Party. That's the problem. No, and she said there should be a people's vote between the agreement that's brought back by by Theresa May and uh, the EEA option. And this is absolutely absurd because it's a, it, it would be a totally moot outcome. Oh, did she? I thought that she. I thought she had already come out with, with in favour of having um, withdrawal of Article Fifty on the ballot. Ah, if she has, I missed it because she certainly tweeted that those should that, that, that those should be the two options in I'm the referendum a, a few weeks ago. I may be imagining it then. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a there's there, and it's a it's a broad coalition of people who people who believe that, and it's a I mean, it's a this is an absolutely false belief because there's no possibility, zero, oh, no, approaching zero possibility that at that stage uh, the EU27 will say, yeah, come back and renegotiate it. Yeah, sure, no, sure, guys, come and renegotiate it. No way. Um, so, so this is a, you know, this is a false, this is a false hope if, if people think it's going, it's going to be that and that mm. that's going to make a, that's going to make a difference. The options will be the re- re- options in reality, I'm not saying this is what should be on the vote, the options in reality are let the time run out of whatever extension is agreed, because there will have to be an extension, let the time run out and have no deal, um, accept the deal, accept the agreement, the withdrawal agreement and the political declaration as it is, or revoke Article 50. Now, my view is that no remotely responsible parliament could countenance the possibility of no deal. And, they, and putting it on a ballot countenances that possibility. It's a fundamentally irresponsible I can move. totally see the scenario in which they put that on the ballot. 
Yeah, and it absolutely, and, it and, absolutely and, shouldn't. It absolutely and counting on 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 this parliament to be responsible is is the height of um, naivety, frankly. You know, imagine if imagine if doctors gave people the treatment option for a cold of uh, going home to bed, taking paracetamol, keeping hydrated, um, on one hand, and cutting off their left foot. On the other, now a portion of people may take the option of cutting off their foot. You know, if you did this a hundred thousand times, one might do it. A million times, one, one or two might do it. It's utterly irresponsible of a doctor to give the option. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Of, of cutting but your foot. Look, off. I mean, and, and Parliament is in the same position. Here. Yeah, but now, we this, know that they're irresponsible, is, Steve, because they, but, they, with this, it wasn't this Parliament, but the previous Parliament already had yes. a referendum that was irresponsible. But this is the importance of the death of the RG. This is where this is very important. Because legislation would have to get through the House, but would those 80 MPs be needed? If the Labour Party comes out in favour of people's vote with the two options of the deal versus remain, uh, the 80 ERG uh, folk, if there are enough Tory rebels, are irrelevant. They can vote for or against. It doesn't yes. make a difference. If you have enough Tory rebels and you have the Labour Party, and we know that the other that the other parties will vote for it, and we know the DUP will vote against it, um, so we know how the votes will go. It, the The question is moving Labour, which looks like it may 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 be happening, um, and getting enough to getting enough Tory rebels. And this looks like, I mean, there's new ones coming out every week, on both sides here, uh, in favour of it. So. This is what the death of the ERG works. The, de the ERG exist as a threat to May. They exist in the bad dreams in number 10. Um, if that's neutralised, if they know they don't have the numbers to ouster, um, then they effectively cease to make a difference. They cease to have control over, over policy. And, and that's the importance of the, uh, the death of the ERG, I think. And well, I think they are dead. I think they're fucking buried. I think the, the, the country looks at them and they see a bunch of fucking jokers. Mm, Finally. You, you sure? I do, yes. I do. And it's going to get worse. The Northern, their plans for Northern Ireland came out today. Um, have been widely torn apart. Katie, have a look at Katie Haywood's thread mm. on the, this, which is very, I have to say, very even-handed. Um, and shows that they're, they're, they're absolutely preposterous and, and don't take account of, of, yeah, of but, reality. I mean, the really. people who matter are the, uh, are the people in the constituency parties. That do, and, and, and they... <laughs> the, the ERG might be dead to absolutely everybody in the entire country, but as long as they're sort of 20 grannies um, in, in the constituency Conservative parties... Um, who still think that Mr. Rees Mogg is a, is a nice fellow, you know? Well, yeah, but 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 MPs are reacting. MPs are MPs are moving despite that. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, and I, I think that uh, there has been some the, encouraging. Many, many, think that, many think they're probably going to be deselected anyway. Well, there has been some some encouraging. There has been some encouraging pushback. I mean, there was it was very nice to see, for example, um, that interview of Rees Mogg on Sky where. Um, he was challenged where he was yeah. told that he was arrogant because he was assuming that he could speak for all 17 million yeah. um, Leave voters. And, um, and then Bor Boris, Boris saying that uh, the checkers are worse would be, uh, would be worse than staying in. Yeah, well, that's 
check yeah, it's, absolutely true. Stage, it's absolutely true but then it's absolutely true but boris saying that as yeah. uh it makes a difference well so, so yeah so i think this i think the uh i'm calling it i'm calling the ERG ERG qua <laughs> Uh, uh, serious force in politics are, are, are dead this week. Mm. Well, I, I'd love you to be correct on this. I don't. I think that that rumours of their death have been greatly exaggerated. But we'll, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I certainly they haven't done themselves any favours. But then they've always been. I, well, we'll see. We'll see. Listen, we should um, look before we, we do live of the week. Yes, and before that, I've got something that um, this is hot off the press. Oh yes. Um, our friend Jason Kelly. Oh, yeah. Jason, uh, whom I met on the uh, Big March. When, when was it? I can't remember. It was in May. I can't even remember when it was. It was June, wasn't it? We did yeah, the Big March. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was great. I um, carried his flag for a little while because it was very heavy. <laughs> so I gave him a break. Well, look, Jason uh, is reminding us to plug the final safe for all Beehive in Birmingham on the thirtieth of September. Oh yes, please go to this. Um, for for those, Nikki forgot to mention Beehive, yes. Beehive events last week. Um, but for those who don't know, um, Beehive events are uh, gatherings, often after uh, marches or protests, um, and usually in pubs or similar. And they're an opportunity for people to to come and um, and meet people. But most of all, they're an opportunity to tell your story of why Brexit's personal. As Nikki was telling us last week, Final Safer Rules' uh, uh, modus operandi is to is to show people that Brexit is personal. It's it's based on the idea that uh, people who support Brexit don't actually support the harm that it'll cause to individual lives, even if they support it in other ways, and and they often don't realise the harm it'll cause mm. to individual lives. Um, and therefore, the idea of making it, you know, reducing it from the macro level to the to the to the personal level is really important. So what they do is that there's there's a camera there and mics, and um, you don't have to speak into a microphone, but just just record. Um, and uh, they're they're doing a set of videos um, of people giving their kind of Brexit as personal testimonies, and you don't have to speak; you can go along and not speak. There's no pressure whatsoever, and you you're just speaking to to. Uh, the, the the few tables of people you know who are there, um, and uh, if you feel moved to speak, uh, you you can go and speak. It's a bit kind of Quakerish in this respect, actually, but they are really really lovely, and you get a you get a huge mix of people, yeah. uh, and uh, and they're they're really really great events. And I really they've been, they've done two in Brussels, and I I really really enjoyed them. Yeah. And uh, I should I should declare that I'm part of Final Safe for All here. But they are they are absolutely excellent. So please please do go to that. People really people really want to hear, um, you know how it how it affects how it affects you. So this is an event in Birmingham on the thirtieth of September. Um, hashtag FSFA Beehive. That's FSFA as in Final Say for All. And uh, yeah, you can find Final Say for All on Twitter and on the web and all those other things. And we'll stick we'll stick a, a link into the episode notes on our podcast website. And the name also came about partly due to 90s band Voice of the Beehive. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm, yeah, it's a bit of trivia it. for the history books. Right, lie of the week. Now, we can make this very short, can't we? Should yes. I, I'll roll the music. Yes. Yeah. 
What's our lie of the week? Our lie of the week is the economists for fair trade. Free trade. Free trade. Economists for free trade. Well, A, it's their name. That's the lie of the week. <laughs> and yeah. B, it's their report that was introduced with great fanfare by the comedians at the European Reform Group. Oh, that's the other lie of the week was J- Jacob Rees-Mogg saying... No, I'm not interested in policy. In, in, no, what did he say? No, I'm not, not interested, interested in leadership. In leadership. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm interested in policy. And uh, <laughs> we are a research group. That was... My fucking ass. Yeah. Okay, and there's, I, think there's, I think there's one... I mean, it, it's got a tissue of whoppers in it, but I think oh, there's one thing... There's one thing in particular that the, uh, the, 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 the non-economists for Brexit... Uh, claim that they're you know one claim that the particular lie that they made chris is that the 1.1 trillion 1.1 trillion that a no a no deal brexit have i got this right a no deal brexit will improve the economy by 1.1 yeah it's like it's going to put two thousand quid in everybody's pocket well they've basically done it so nobody nobody knows what trillion means so we're going to use that and we can't use one trillion because that looks like we just plucked out of thin air which we did. We'll use one point, which we did. So we'll use 1.1. 1. 1. 1. But I mean, I don't think we have to talk about this very much. We can just no. say it's a lie. I mean, yeah. it's an absolute massive whopper. Yeah. Somebody else, I don't know, well, somebody, else very, somebody else very good said that all you had to do was you divided the number of unicorns, to get that number, you divide the number of unicorns by the amount of cake and then multiply it by a trillion. <laughs> uh, and that's the, that's, the model, that's the model that they've used. So yeah, it's a lie. I mean, we don't have to go into this no. very much. It's absolute uh, spanking boulder dash. Yeah, I think that's yeah. rendered their carcass to an acceptable stock. Yeah. Um, good. You know, you know that bit in The Big Lebowski? <laughs> no. I've never watched The Big Lebowski. I've never, known, never watched I've The Big Lebowski. I've never seen it. Ah, oh, well, this is going to be waste on you. But for, for, for the way to think about the ERG is... is, is this will mean nothing to you, Chris, but I'm going to do it to the listeners anyway. Is that scene where, um, when, where, uh, Donnie says, uh, they, they, they confront the nihilists and, and Donnie says, are these people going to hurt, hurt me, hurt us? And Walter just says, no, Donnie, these people are cowards. <laughs> I think that is ultimately the ERG. Mm. They're not actually going to do anything. They're not going to, uh, topple May. Um, and they're not going to vote against it because it would be f- effectively voting against Brexit. By they're all stage. mouth, no trousers. Exactly. Yeah. Although I think they are nihilist. I think they don't really believe in anything. I think they are kind of nihilist. Well, um, I mean, I always thought that these stories of um, them being a bunch of um, disaster capitalists, hedge fund managers, were, were slightly kind of conspiracy theorists, sort of loony out there kind of. No, they're just... But actually, I'm beginning to think... It's beginning oh, to look that Yeah. Maybe they yeah, are. Yeah, it is Maybe beginning to look like this, isn't it? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I think they are for ideological reasons as well as financial reasons, but I think, yeah. No, I mean, I think it's largely faith-based, isn't it? Yeah, so I, th- yeah, I think yeah. so. It's faith-based, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that seems a good point. Now, Chris, you had you, 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 had, a ter- you had a turn for us, didn't you? Do you want, do you want my, the Easter egg? 
the Easter egg it. at the end of the. Shall I do, do I don't it? Know. If you've got this, if you got this far, you deserve it. I don't know if I'm up for this. This is no. We're well, going to have to do it now because we ballsed up the ending. So otherwise, we're going to have to re-record the ending. So what you could do, what you could do is um, this is all going in the edit. So be careful what you say. So you can, <laughs> I can try and 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 I can try and sing this. Go and on, then, and then it. you can fade it out with with George crying. <laughs> something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Maestro, <clears throat> do your stuff. <clears throat> Are you going to play? I'm, I, oh I'm no! Want do, you want, do you want me to stop and learn it? No. Hang on. Let me have a look at the tab. Hang on. No. Well, I. S- no. Hang on. Let me have a look. If it's easy chords, then I'll do it. Hang on. What song am I looking for? Right, said Fred. Oh, but if I put right said Fred tab. Yeah, not the band. What the fuck's that? Autoplay on websites. Jesus. I hate that. Chords. Right, said. By Bernard Cribbins. Ultimate guitar.com. Bernard Cribbins. The tab for Right Fed Fred by Bernard, Bernard Cribbins. Cribbins. I love Bernard you Cribbins. Something he's such That's a legend. Absolutely outstanding. Oh, he's such a legend. Do you know he's actually a, a he? He is his name is an what would you call it? Uh, what do you call it? A vichy, I don't know. No, not, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he is an expression. He's an exclamation in our house. So like instead, yeah, it's like instead of swearing when in front of the kids, I go, oh, Bernard Cribbins. Christ, you Southerners are so English, huh? He's brilliant. <laughs> um, right, I'm just going to grab my guitar. All right. Um, I think I can have a go at this. These look okay. like quite easy chords. All right. Hang on, what's F major 7? No, no, I know F major 7. Yeah. This is like that scene in Friends where Phoebe asks Chrissy Hind which chords she knows. Yeah. Chrissy Hind says all of them. <laughs> yeah. Remember that. Right, said Mog, all of us together, sunlit, upland, steady as we go. Called up Minford, IQ sub 100, we was getting nowhere. And so we had a cup of tea and right, said Boz, give a shout for Baker. Up comes Baker from the ERG. Let's try Star Wars Falklands Task Force We was getting nowhere So Barney and me have another cup of tea And then we remained 